With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, I thank you for allowing us in your presence this evening. Father, this message that you've given me to give to the people tonight, I believe, Lord, is of you. Dear Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help this message so that the people might understand it. And Lord, it's a glorious message if we will receive it. And Lord, it's a message on the law of the tears, the planting of tears. What does it mean? And Lord, I pray that we will understand it. Lord, the passion that we should have at this time for the bringing forth of your kingdom is clarified in Daniel 9:24, where you tell us the six things we must do and the most to end in the result of anointing you as the most high. We must end our transgressions. We must reckon reconciliation for sin and so on. You can read it in Daniel 9:24. But if we glance at what that is really testifying to, it is testifying to what is the yearning of our heart? What is the desire, the true desire of our heart? Do we want to enter the kingdom? Do we want to give up the world? Do we want you to come forth and end all this sin? The abominations that's going on, the war that's about to happen. All of these things are so horrible to you. But dear Lord, they're going to be horrible to us when we see it fulfilled. In other words, when we see our sins manifested. Lord, our sins are, we, we do not mourn for the kingdom. We mourn for our desires. We pray and thanks for others. That we do often. People do often. And in this month, dear Lord, the house of Israel, the people of Israel, many of them, Father, are really yearning and mourning. Dear Lord, and following traditional ways and doctrines, dear God, where they would take off their shoes and sit on the ground. And there's many meanings of that, and I'll go into that in another night, another message, of why that's so important to do. But, dear Lord, I'd like to talk tonight about the planting of tears, because, dear Lord, you tell us in Joel 2, 12 to 20, we're required at this time to, mo- to fast and to mourn. And, dear Lord, we do not understand the real seriousness of mourning. Dear Lord, what does it really mean? Lord, we mourn for the things we want. We mourn, dear Lord, that we could have a better life. We mourn for prosperity. We mourn for, you know, our situation in the world, our debts that we owe, and uh, people being killed, and wars going on, and all these things. But Lord, we're not mourning for the truth. We're not mourning for the knowledge of truth and the way of truth and the works of truth. And so tonight, dear Lord, I'd like to review what you revealed to us is the law of tears. I'd like to show them this law that's hidden within the very famous Psalm 126. Lord, it's a marvelous psalm. It was one that even this psalm was thought and was was in the running to be the national anthem of Israel. It is sung usually, dear Lord, it's one of the Song of Athens, the 
the songs of ascents. Dear Lord, we, we pray, dear Lord, that they understand they sing this, dear Lord, on Sabbath. And, and it's all about your grace and so forth and the joy that's going to happen. But dear Lord, we're not going to share in that joy unless we learn the meaning and the understanding of these scriptures. And Lord, there's some marvelous testimonies and you can hear many marvelous sermons based upon this Psalm 126. Lord, I'd like to read it the way it is in the in most Bibles of the King James, um, New King James Version. And, and then I'd like to read it in an interpretation in the way of the Hebrew. And then I'd like to change something because a word that's not understood that's in this sixth verse of these six verses of Psalm 126. So let's read the first part. It says, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then, in verse 2, it says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. In verse 3, it says, The Lord has done great things for us, and we were glad. We are glad. Verse 4, it says, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And that really means, well, I'll get to that in a second, but it goes on to verse 5. It says, Thus, those, excuse me, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Then in verse 6, it says, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The last two verses is the law of tears, and we're going to discuss that in more detail here. Let's read it from a Hebrew translation or that is on a Hebrew Bible. It said, When the Lord brought back those that returned to Zion, we were like unto them that dream. Then our mouths filled with laughter, our tongues with song. They said among the nations, The Lord great things. The Lord did great things. Verse 3, it says, The Lord hath done great things with us. We are rejoiced. Then verse 4 says, They had turned our captivity, O Lord, as the flash floods in the desert. That's extremely important, flash floods in the desert. We'll talk about that maybe in another message or later tonight. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who walks and he's crying, carrying his pouch of seeds, he shall come home with joy, bearing his sheaves. That is an extremely important message. So let's look at these last two. Here's the base concept. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He walks and he's crying. Carrying his pouch of seeds, he shall come home with joy, bearing his sheaves. This is describing they, the one in verse 5. It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Now he's describing exactly how he's going to reap in joy. He says, he walks and he's crying. And it says, carrying his pouch of seeds, he shall come home with joy, bearing his sheaves. I want to point out that the what they're pronouncing here as carrying his pouch, that is a word called mashik. That word, a Hebrew word, is only used two times in the Bible. It's used in Job 28.18 which is Job Job 38, excuse me, 28, is the account of Job's discourse on the wisdom of God. 
the discourse on wisdom. The whole chapter is in regard to that. So in that chapter in Job twenty eight eighteen, he says, No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. And in this case, they translate Mashik as the price. The meaning of this word, Mashik, has the meaning of different than what it's being translated as. It, it, it comes from a word, a meaning, a drawing, a drawing up, or a drawing of material. The drawing up, fishing up. The drawing up, or fishing up, or securing, acquiring a trail of seed. In this case, the translation should be drawing up. He's drawing up from the earth a trail of seeds. How's he doing it? He's doing it by planting tears. What are the fish? What is the seed that the Lord planted into the earth? He says he's the sower. He's planting the seeds. He's planting the seeds. It's the words of God. The tears are planting the words of God. You remember the famous Psalm 56.8. It says, You number my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You number my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You number my wanderings. I'm sowing. I'm going about sowing good works. With what? With tears. And the tears are in his bottle. In other words, they're not lost, even though they're planting into the ground. The earth is like a bottle to the Lord. They are kept. Your tears are counted. They're kept. What are your tears doing? What should your tears be doing? Are your tears for yourself? Or you, you cry when somebody's hurt and somebody's... Uh, doing, you know, having a hard time or whatever. But I'd like to compare that kind of tears with the tears the Lord shed. And I think we'll take a, a, have a different look at the way the Lord shed these tears. We have two good examples. We have the example of when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem in Luke 19. In that versing, he, as he draws near the city, he saw the city and wept over it, saying this. This is why he's crying. Consider this. This is why he's crying. He's telling you why. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from you, your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you embankment around you surround you and close you in on you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground they're going to level you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation not one stone is going to be left on top of another a stone represents the words of god the words, remember they, they didn't allow the hammer to be used on the, the stones of that wall of the city because they were symbolic of the words of God that were being made and the words kept in that place. 
Jesus had been three and a half years on his journey. He had went all through the land. He said he must go to these different places. And he was teaching and making known the word. I think of some of the friends I know at this time who've heard the words and they were very faithful to go forth and do them. They did the way of them. They walked around places. They gave people glasses of water and the people did not know what they were doing. And they tried to make known the words of God to people and they would not receive that message. It's the same as what happened to Jesus when he was sent into the world to bear witness to the words of God, Deuteronomy 18, 18, 19, John 3, 26 to 36. And I could cry for these people because why? What the Lord is crying for is these people do not understand what makes for the knowledge of the peace. In other words, what overcomes the world, if they would read John 5, 24, they would hear it said in this verse, the Lord tells them there that if they will hear the words of the voice of the Lord and believe in the Father, they'll have everlasting life, which is peace, and they will pass through the judgment, which is peace. They don't know what makes for their peace, and we're coming to the war, and they do not understand that the war is going to test them to see if they have heard as the words have been now poured out by God for 14 years, they've been available. And he himself had been crying out through the prophecies, through people. And he's saying, get the words of wisdom you do not know. Hear the knowledge of truth. Get truth. Get the knowledge of truth. They will not hear if they read John seventeen seventeen. He says that they are required in this day to be set apart by truth, which is the words of God. And he's talking to the Father. Jesus on that John seventeen seventeen is weeping before the Lord. Weeping before the Lord. Remember at the last there he was even bleeding from his face. Blood, drops of tears of blood were going on. By his blood we are washed clean. But how did they go into the earth that night and he was praying? It was by drops like tears falling from him. If we plant tears for the righteousness of God's plan to come forth, of these people who have done the good works, they must remember something. It's like David calling out here in Psalms. And he's saying that the, the, the tears, remember them, Lord. He says, you number my wanderings. And what he's saying is when I did my wanderings, I was crying. I was weeping. Put my tears in your bottle. Because the people will not hear the knowledge of truth and he's trying to bear witness to the truth. Are they not in your book? Your book records every work that that is going to be done. Every time we've done something with the words, when you do the way of the words to bring forth his spirit, but bring forth a good work to enable the people to be caused to be turned to truth. Those are tears. Those are works that are remembered in his book. They're written in his book. That's why he says they're like in a bottle in the earth. They're in a bottle in the earth. And what happens with those? Those are good works remembered. When you give somebody a cup of cold water and you've walked on the earth and you've, wherever you've done this, if you've done it in a house, if you've done it in the street, if you've done it wherever, that is remembered by God. And in the time of the judgment, when the Spirit is being poured out to call on the people, that will enable him to remember those tears in the bottle. 
all his wanderings, everywhere he's went, everywhere that you've done a good work for people for the purpose of bringing forth the kingdom of God in the knowledge of truth, those are going to be remembered. And they're going to be answered by God. The pulling of the Spirit is going to be loosed upon them. You can only do so much. Jesus wept because so many... If you go to John 11 and you remember his thing with Lazarus, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it would take time. But as you know, what happened in there when, the, when he heard about Lazarus had died, he says to his disciples, well, let me uh, put it another way. You can read the thing. It says, uh, let me just start it. I'll, I'll read the first part of it. And it kind, of, it kind of sets the stage of what I'm trying to say to you regarding this. It says, Now a certain man was sick in Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who appointed the Lord with fragrant oil, wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus heard that, and he said, this is, this is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you, are you going there again? And Jesus answered and said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? Any, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because his light, the light is not in him. These things he said after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. See, there's a difference when the Lord is saying, when he's going to travel there, remember, two days had passed. Well, actually, uh, in this time, it's, it's going to be that by the time he got to where it was, that four days had passed. Let's put it that way, so it's not confusing to you. He'd been dead four days in the grave, meaning he was sick at this time, but he's going to die. And he's telling them he's, that this is for the glory of God the Father. God the Father. This is important for us at this time. We need to understand this because war is coming. And we need to understand the way. We need to understand the power of God in this time. Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. He stayed two more days even after he was sick. And by the time that the Lord got there, he had been in the grave four days. Now, he was telling the disciple there's only 12 hours in a day. But he's going to take several days before, before he gets there. But he said, we're going to walk in the day. What he's saying is we're going to walk in the light. Paul tells us in Second Thessalonians, or First Thessalonians 5, I think it is 1 to 11. He tells us there that we are the, either of the day or of the night. Those who are of the day are walking in the light of righteousness to bring forth life, not death. Not darkness, not vengeance, nothing like that. We're to bring forth righteousness, the example and the glory of God. That is what we are to do at this time. Those in darkness will be punished by darkness because vengeance is God's. But if we walk in the light, 
we will do something marvelous, and I want to get to that before we close, which is the overall plan of God for us that we must fulfill at this time and fulfill all the tears of all the ages, as you'll see. He says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I may go that I may wake him up. So after two days, he's saying that Lazarus is now dead. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, before he was sick, now he's dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. See, they were saying if you were there, you'd make him well. But they're not getting it yet. They're not understanding the way of the words and the walk of the words. And Jesus is saying that he's going to live. If the Lord's word says he's going to live, he's going to live. Because the words of God, he speaks with authority and all things are given to him. And if he tells us he's going to live, he's going to live. If we speak, if we have authority over the words of God, we have authority over the words of God, and we have the understanding of God and the counsel of God, we have the right to call upon these being given back from the dead when these things happen for the glory of God. And I us understand for the glory of God. Everything we do at this time must be for the glory of God and not for the the, the punishment of the, the darkness. God is going to do that. We are to bring forth the glory of God at this very time. That's why he's telling us in Joel 2, 12 to 20, we must do what? We must fast and mourn. The most important thing is the mourning and the wise weep. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> they don't understand. They, you know, they're, they're thinking that he's going to go into this place and the enemy is going to destroy him before his appointed time. All those with the Lord, walking with the Lord, will be glorified with the Lord. I mean, they'll see his glory. They will be protected. The Lord says if we will believe in the words of the voice of the Lord and the Father, we will have eternal life and pass through these judgments. These are judgments. This is a testing that's going on in the world right now because the Lord is reigning, but he's allowing these people to carry out their things because they're coming to their own destruction by the sins that they're going to do. We must turn and follow the Lord and come out to him. So he says, when Jesus came, he found that they had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. He's very close to where the people that want to kill him, but God will not allow it. The words with him. He's going to fulfill the work he's been given to do, as we will. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning the brother, their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, no. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me. Though he may die, he shall live. How? Where's the power of the Lord? Ecclesiastes 8.4 said, The power of the word, of, 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 
The power of the king is in his words. He has the words of God that are higher than ours, that our thoughts are higher than ours, and the promises of God are higher than ours, and the authority of his words are higher than ours. When Jesus speaks them in the way of the pure language of the kingdom of heaven, these words become real. And in any language on earth, they can be spoken in the way of the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. Because the Spirit of God tests your heart to see what is the intent of the words you're speaking. What is the understanding that you have? What is the belief that you have? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to be like God who says, I desire all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth? If you have that, if you are peacemakers, the kingdom of God is that, is yours. And that means you're going to pass through these judgments and enter the kingdom here on earth so that you can glorify God. Because he's waiting for the sons of God to arrive. And the whole earth is moaning and groaning inside. That means they're weeping. In, in the book of Job, there's a passage in um, Job 31, verse 38. He says, if my land cries out against me and its furrows weep together. See, even the earth cries because it knows the times of God. It knows that this is it. This is this is a time when the earth is waiting. The whole creation is waiting for the sons of God to arise and become wise. Come and speak the knowledge of truth. So that the enable the good works that are already in the earth to spring forth for even for the creation. Even for the trees. Even for the rivers. Even for the air we breathe. And in the food that wants to come forth. So that they can participate in what they were designed to do, which was to cleave. And the Lord says that the trees will clap together in the way of celebration of the kingdom of God. It's coming if we will listen. He says, your brother will rise again. Now I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. But you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went, went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come, and he's calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose quickly went and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned and the spirit was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. See, verse 35 is just those two words, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? They don't understand why Jesus wept. Remember what Jesus said? He said, He sows in tears shall reap in joy. Jesus is mourning, is groaning in his heart that they have not believed and not heard and not discerned the things he just told them, the way of the words that he's described to them, the way of the power of God, the way of the authority of God, and the plan of God. They had not gotten it. That's why he wept. And he planted the seed. Planted the seed. 
Remember he said he, as he walks in Psalms 126.6 and he's crying, drawing his seeds, he shall come home with joy bearing his sheaves. These disciples, he was crying for them that they would understand what was about to happen. He was preparing it. And the Lord, we know that in this day, Lord, you've told us that in this time when we're supposed to have the revival, the, the time where we're supposed to sanctify the congregation. We're supposed to gather the people, sanctify the congregation. We're supposed to gather them. How do you gather them? You call out the word and let the spirit draw them. How are they being drawn? By the planted seeds, by the planted words you've done, by the crying tears that you planted wherever you went. When you're really mourning for these people to receive the kingdom of God with a true heart. When you're really wanting them to receive it. Those are promises of God that you're planting. And those words will be answered because the tears are like the water. What is the water? He said, if we will be washed by the water of the words, we shall be washed clean and made pure so we're spotless and ready for him. The waters brings us back to the very first time of creation, the first day of creation, where we begin anew like a newborn child. We must be made new, reborn again with the knowledge of truth, where he says, let there be light. And so we need to get rid of our darkness. That's what the Lord is showing us. And be born into the light, which is the water of the word. And that's what your tears are doing. You're, you're, you're making it so that these people, you're desiring these people to, to be of this darkness stripped away and have to be separated from those of the world by the truth. In this day, we must come out of the city of Babylon into the wilderness. <clears throat> Where is it, why is it wilderness? It's wilderness because it's not the way of the world in its city. We're waiting for the Lord to bring his city, his people. A city represents the people who follow away. It doesn't matter if they're out in the middle of the desert someplace. And you know what the wonderful thing he said in that verse in Psalms 126.6? He said, turn our captivity, O Lord, as the flash floods in the desert. The flash floods is the pouring out of the word. The flash is the lightning. The lightning is the instant remove, instant receipt of the word of God. And they're talking about the flash floods, meaning the beginning of the word of God. Turn us back, dear Lord, to like John the Baptist had us baptized in the water. We must be reborn again. Jesus said it's required of all of us and we don't understand this. We got to get back and get rid of the darkness and start growing in the light, believing in the words, and then getting the words of wisdom, which means we understand them. The next thing is to get understanding of how to bring forth fruit by them. And then the next thing is the counsel. And take notice this thing about the, 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 the act that the Lord did here. He's, he said he's glorifying God. Why is that? You know, the, the seven species are important for us to know. I tried to put them here for people. It's in Deuteronomy 88, it says the seven species listed are the wheat, the barley, the grape, the fig, the pomegranates, the olive oil, and the date or the honey. Wheat, the beginning, the instruction. Wheat is the shares. You know, you see this thing of uh, the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. What is that? Bringing in the people back to the beginning of the word. The beginning of the word. And the next thing is they, they get some understanding. They go for the barley, which is the humbleness. The words of wisdom. We, we realize that we are not wise. We don't, we don't understand the power of God. We don't understand true science. We don't have humble people today that really understand things like barley, which is the second spirit of God, the way of the wisdom of God. 
and the grape, the wine, is understanding the plan of God and how to bring forth the fruit that enables these good works to come. And the fourth one is the fig tree. And remember, we talked yesterday about the fig and about the donkey and so forth and why that little town is called the unripened fig. That's what it represents, the house of the unripened fig. The fig is the counsel of the Lord. It's symbolic of the counsel of the Lord. His people are like the fig tree. They were to receive the counsel of the Lord, and we are supposed to be like the fig tree in this time, all of us who believe in the Lord, because he says it's the time we must come out, and this is the time of the latter. The, 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 the fig tree talks about the, the late figs. We are late. We're the late figs right now because we are the ones that must receive the counsel of the Lord and begin to understand the great work of our Lord who came into the world to bear witness to the words of God and show us the way to enable the good works that whatever we desire will be done for us if we will follow him and know his will. And then you come to the pomegranate. And the pomegranate, you see it in the temple. It was used in the temple to symbolize this because what it is, it's when you open it up, it's... There's a number of seeds inside this, usually around 612. That's four times 153, four ways of the Spirit times the number of words. But even if you don't believe in that, you believe in the understanding of just the fifth one. It represented the fifth Spirit of God. And what God do in the fifth day of creation? He made the fish. He made the birds of the air and the fish. The fish is symbolic. In John 21, 153, great fish, symbolic of his words. And his ways is the four ways of the first four spirits. We work in that. But God is glorified here because it was after four days. So we're in the fifth day of his being dead. And Jesus calls forth Lazarus from the grave. He purposefully came on that day. He was already in that tomb four days. Because he's glorifying God. God gives the authority over the spirit he gives authority over the word of god and he draws them up out of the world and out of the darkness out of the darkness away from the spirits of evil and gives them life understand that and think about that and you i think you'll catch on the olive oil is always the way of of understanding the knowledge in other words it's to take dominion over the land Oil is the knowledge of God is poured out, and we have to understand the land. And we'll talk about that in another message. I want to talk about why they sit on the ground and their bare feet. Why do we take off our shoes and and wipe our feet on the ground when they reject the, the grace of God, His peace? I just wanted to point this out because it goes on down here. It says, and when she had said these things, she went away and uh, he told her about that. I've already told you that Jesus wept. But why was Jesus weeping? Jesus was weeping for the good of these people. But the, just groaning inside that after three and a half years, they had not heard the message. They did not get it. There's three years, whatever it was, the message he'd been bringing to them, trying to get them to understand the way of the Lord. And his counsel, he's the power of counsel. He can give us the authority if he tells us these things to do. And we know within the will of God and the plan of God. There's a record in the Bible where Peter's, I mean, Paul is recording that the widows were able to bring their loved ones back. They were bringing back to life. 
by understanding this principle. They understood the meaning of tears. They understand the reason of mourning. But they understood the work of God. It does not work if it was not for the kingdom work of God. And this was Lazarus believed. He was a friend of the Lord. He believed in the Lord. Didn't understand the words. But he was raised by the words. And I know that after this he would have known the way of the words. Many say he became a martyr later. Jesus and he come to Jerusalem. In Luke 19, it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, and I've read this to you already, but see, they did not know the time of their visitation. They did not know the work that he had done and all the places he had walked were all those good works that he had done. And when Jesus came, he didn't weep every time he was walking around. He was teaching the words and going about. But here he is coming to the end of his journey. And they, he wept over the city because he knew the destruction that was come upon them because they would not hear. And he was planting the tears in that time. And God will remember those tears. And remember that Jesus knew that there's going to be a time. They're going to lose the kingdom, but it's going to come back in a time. Those tears were planted for that city that was going to sin and he knew it was going to be destroyed. And he's saying that he didn't know the time of your visitation. Well, there's a second time in their visitation and it's going to come because the Lord is bringing his words to the Gentiles and the word is going to come back to the house of Israel through them to the remnant. And then the city is going to blossom again and the remnant is going to be strong before God because it's the right. But he's going to graft his people who set themselves apart in among them. You know, there's many times I could go on and explain the thing about Joseph and the his tears and Jacob's tears and Rachel's tears. They were all bringing forth the kingdom and the seed. They planted the seed. They did the way of the kingdom. They wanted the kingdom to come. Jacob keeps, and this is another thing, when you people understand the tears that you're shedding and when people are, you know, going wrong and so forth and you don't understand what's going on, God will keep them. Remember, if God gives you a work, like Joseph, he was given a dream. He was given a work God had signed to him. And, and when Jacob sent him away to go to the to check on the, the other ten sons, he told him to go see if they were doing good. Is it well with them? Are they doing the good work that I've given them to do? But they had moved to another place. Jacob didn't know. And they threw you know, they of course, Joseph went and found them and they, they threw him in the pit. And the Bible purposely says in there that there was no water in that pit. The only water in that pit, I'm sure, was probably Joseph's tears. The hurt must be to, to be left there like that by his brothers. And he's crying out to them, shouting out to them. And they heard his groaning and his moaning. And then they sold him to the the traitors now the interesting thing is we must remember even these times of persecution and trials god has a plan he gave joseph the vision and i'm telling you god has shown what he's going to do at this time with his words and it's been hard because everybody is saying this is an abomination straight from the pits of hell this message in 2006 they were saying this on even national tv saying there's one person out there saying that this the rider of the white horse is and not the Antichrist. And they they all said it was the devil and the four horses apocalypse because they were making their money selling this 
you know, the Left Behind series and the preaching series that all these guys are doing without understanding of the scriptures. But, you know, all the work of doing this and even the turning down and all the rest of that, God has said this is the work and this is what's going to be. So you've got to believe what God gives you in the word and the visions that he gives you. That if there are of God and you're walking and doing what he told you to do, even if you stumble in the way, he's going to correct you and he's going to bring that to creation. Just like Jesus was brought to completion with Lazarus who was made known. It was an example to us as Jesus is that example. As Joseph and Jacob and Jacob cried tears, he said, I will go to my grave mourning Joseph. He wept tears and those tears of Joseph were planted. But you know what? Why was Jacob so weeping? Because Joseph, Jacob had get, knew that Joseph was that one chosen to be of the tribe. And he knew that it took the 12 for the tribes. And he did not understand. He was mourning before God, weeping over this. Because he had been given a plan than what was required. And he knew the way of the numbers. He knew all these things. And he could not understand why did God take Joseph. So he weeped tears. Weeped tears and cried and so forth. But he should go back and remember. And it was in his heart. He remembered the dreams of Joseph. And he didn't understand how could you take him away, Lord, when you showed him these visions. He didn't understand the visions. But he understood they were given to Joseph. And he kept on. And he said, I'll go to my grave morning Joseph and Joseph was taken down there and he never lost his faith he kept continuing in God and how did what kept him during that time when Jacob didn't know him and he's weeping and mourning the tears are being planted over Jacob remembering Lord this is the plan you gave me what failed what went wrong why didn't I know reminds you of Job and in the chapters like 27 to 31 when Job is mourning over God and he's trying to justify his works that he'd done he didn't understand why why am I going through this persecution but it was for the glory of God God had a greater purpose everyone remembers Job and the story of Job same with Joseph Joseph went through that and then when his you know, they they remember the dream of the sheaves and they were bowing down to him and he was a sheaf. It's not just for that time when the brothers came and they bought the wheat and, and they bowed down to, basically bowing down to Joseph. But, you know, when Joseph realized what God had done, he weeped. He weeped tears to plant that seed. And, and when he did that crying at that time, it was to enable us to understand this thing about bringing in the sheaves. Because the works that you've done for the glory of God, even if you didn't understand the words, but you've done these good works for people and prayed about them and put the tears in the ground for them, you were doing the way of the words. It's time for you to come into the wisdom and understanding of the words. But it's like he says in Matthew 25, you were doing the way of the words and you didn't know me. You didn't know it was for I. Because when he says it was for I, I was there, he's talking about the works of the words of God because the works that all of us are given are for the glory of God. They're part of the Lord. He is in us when the words are in us. And the works that he's given us to do is of him. And that part is with us. And if we bring that forth, if we, if we draw forward that word, Meshach, is in there. It's, he's, he's going forth drawing the seeds. Because the, all these works God has given each one of us to do was put into the earth from the very beginning, layered into the lower, into the earth, as David says in Psalms 139. 
And it's our job to bring them forth. We are to go forth doing the good works to bring forth the seed and all these other people so the kingdom can come forth because God has given a piece of the work to all these people. And when we do this for that and we're giving the cold water and the correction and the rest of that, it's for the glory of God's kingdom to come forth that even Jesus wept over. And this is what we're doing. And Jacob was weeping and keeping. His tears were in the help of keeping Joseph into the word in all that time. And then Joseph, when he finally figured it out, when his brothers were there, and he says, this was not you. This was God's work. He brought us this so that you could be taken care of. But it wasn't just for them. It was to show us. See, the sheaves of all these people are there and you don't know the works of all those people that are going to bring about and when you know joseph at that time didn't know these things but then later when jacob came and then blessed the tribes those were works that are going to be brought forth and those tears of joseph the usage of joseph to go into egypt and do this were all part of god's plan And now those plans of all the blessings of those tribes are about to come forth. And we should be weeping and mourning that these things be brought forth. Because many tears, Rachel's tears and others, have been spent forth. And God has promised he's going to fulfill them. And David says, aren't these tears in your bottle? The earth is like a bottle. It's holding these tears. And all those works all the works of God that was given to these people that we've cried over or for the earth and all the other things we do, all the good works that we're doing, God remembers them. And in the day of his coming, he'll cause these things to be stirred up and he'll deliver his kingdom and those who hear him will be delivered. He says, all that will call upon his name, which is the word of God, Revelation nineteen thirteen, Joel two thirty two says, all that call upon his name, all that call, meaning all that calls upon his word, shall be delivered exactly like it says in john five twenty four. just using different words the same meaning lord i pray that people understand the law of the tears lord if we will plant this lord your tear your way of the water dear lord is we must be reborn again in the beginning of knowledge we have to start dear lord by separating ourselves from the world and receiving the words of wisdom which is the second step But first we must recognize there are words. We must hear your voice. Let there be light. Let there be the entrance of your words. And then give us the knowledge of these words, the understanding of the words. Then give us the understanding of the fruit, how to bear fruit with these words, how to do good for others so that the tree will flourish, that the plant will branch out, that your kingdom will done. Lord, all these tears are like seeds being planted. That's what you're talking about, Lord. You're going for drawing seeds. When we tears over these things, because the most powerful thing that we can do is to truly mourn for the kingdom to come and the ending of this evil world that we have. These evil things working by man's law, working by the way of law, working with currency that we... It's not of you, Lord. Your currency is to do good for others, dear Lord, and all things are provided. Lord, we pray that the people begin to understand that you said at this time, dear Lord, they will go forth like stall-fed calves. Dear Lord, it means it isn't like it is today. They're ready to bring forth your kingdom at this time. Let us begin to understand that, Lord. I pray you use this message for that purpose, for thy kingdom be glorified. 
In Jesus' name, we pray this. Lord, let your spirit be poured out. Dear Lord, we pray for the people at this point that they would grab this. It's so simple. It's so powerful. And Lord, we pray you'll help us to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.